Good evening. Welcome to the Just Sleep Podcast. I'm Tasha, your host. Every week, I will read you an old story to help you relax, put the stressful day behind you, and drift off to sleep. Occasionally, we will run ads in order to cover the costs of the production of the podcast. Rest assured, there will be no ads during or after the story. If you prefer an ad-free and intro-free show, you can join Just Sleep Premium. Visit justsleeppodcast.com slash support for more information. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Tonight, I will be continuing the story of the adventures of Pinocchio by Carlo Collodi. So lie down, close your eyes, and let me read you a story. Chapter 9 Pinocchio sells his spelling book that he may go and see a puppet show. As soon as it had done snowing, 
Pinocchio set out for school with his fine spelling book under his arm. As he went along, he began to imagine a thousand things in his little brain and to build a thousand castles in the air, one more beautiful than the other. And talking to himself, he said, Today at school, I will learn to read at once, then tomorrow, I will begin to write, and the day after tomorrow, to cipher. Then with my requirements, I will earn a great deal of money, and with the first money I have in my pocket, I will immediately buy for my papa a beautiful new cloth coat. But what am I saying? Cloth indeed. It shall be all made of gold and silver, and it shall have diamond buttons. That poor man really deserves it. For to buy me books and have me taught, he has remained in his shirt sleeves, and in this cold. It is only fathers who are capable of such sacrifices. Whilst he was saying this with great emotion, he thought that he heard music in the distance that sounded like fifes and the beating of a drum. He stopped and listened. The sounds came from the end of a cross street that took to a little village on the seashore. What can that music be? What a pity that I have to go to school or else. And he remained resolute. It was, however, necessary to come to a decision. Should he go to school or should he go after the fifes? Today I will go and hear the fifes and tomorrow I will go to school. Finally decided the young scapegrace, shrugging his shoulders. The more he ran, the nearer came the sounds of the fifes and the beating of the big drum. At last he found himself in the middle of a square quite full of people, who were all crowding round a building made of wood and canvas, and painted a thousand colours. What is that building? asked Pinocchio, turning to a little boy who belonged to the place. Read the placard, it is all written, and then you will know. I would read it willingly but it so happens that today I don't know how to read. Bravo, blockhead. Then I will read it to you. The writing on that placard and those letters read as fire is Great Puppet Theatre. Has the play begun long? It is beginning now. How much does it cost to go in? Two pence. Pinocchio, who was in a fever of curiosity, lost all control of himself and without any shame, he said to the little boy to whom he was speaking, Would you lend me two pence until tomorrow? I would lend them to you willingly, said the other, but it so happens that today I cannot give them to you. I will sell you my jacket for two pence, the puppet then said to him. What do you think I could do with a jacket of flowered paper? If there was rain and it got wet, it would be impossible to get it off my back. Will you buy my shoes? They would only be of use to light the fire. How much will you give me for my cap? That would be a wonderful acquisition indeed, a cap of breadcrumb. There would be risk of mice coming to eat it whilst it was on my head. Pinocchio was on thorns. He was on the point of making another offer, but he had not the courage. He hesitated and felt remorseful. At last he said, Will you give me two pence for this new spelling book? I am a boy, and I don't buy from boys, replied this little interlocutor, who would much more sense than he had. 
I will buy the spelling book for twopence, called out a hawker of old clothes who had been listening to the conversation. And the book was sold there and then. And to think that poor Geppetto had remained at home trembling with cold in his shirt sleeves that he might buy his son a spelling book. Chapter 10 The puppets recognize their brother Pinocchio and receive him with delight. But at that moment their master, Fire Eater, makes his appearance and Pinocchio is in danger of coming to a bad end. When Pinocchio came into the little puppet theatre, an incident occurred that almost produced a revolution. I must tell you that the curtain was drawn up and the play had already begun. On the stage, Harlequin and Punchinello were as usual quarrelling with each other and threatening every moment to come to blows. The audience, all attention, laughed till they were ill as they listened to the bickerings of these two puppets who gesticulated and abused each other so naturally that it might have been two reasonable beings and two persons of the world. All at once, Harlequin stopped short and turning to the public, he pointed with his hand to someone far down in the pit, and exclaimed in a dramatic tone, Gods of the firmament, do I dream, or am I awake? But surely that is Pinocchio. It is indeed Pinocchio, cried Punchinello. It is indeed himself, screamed Miss Rose, peeping from behind the scenes. It is Pinocchio, it is Pinocchio, shouted all the puppets in chorus, leaping from all sides on the stage. It is Pinocchio. It is our brother Pinocchio. Long live Pinocchio. Pinocchio, come up here to me, cried Harlequin, and throw yourself into the arms of your wooden brothers. At this affectionate invitation, Pinocchio made a leap from the end of the pit into the reserved seats. Another leap landed him on the head of the leader of the orchestra, and he then sprang upon the stage. The embraces, the hugs, the friendly pinches, and the demonstrations of warm brotherly affection that Pinocchio received from the excited crowd of actors and actresses of the puppet dramatic company beat description. The sight was doubtless a moving one, but the public in the pit, finding that the play was stopped, became impatient and began to shout, We will have the play. Go on with the play. It was all breath thrown away. The puppets, instead of continuing the recital, redoubled their noise and outcries, and putting Pinocchio on their shoulders, they carried him in triumph before the footlights. At that moment, out came the showman. He was very big and so ugly that the sight of him was enough to frighten anyone. His beard was as black as ink and so long that it reached from his chin to the ground. I need only say that he trod upon it when he walked. His mouth was as big as an oven, and his eyes were like two lanterns of red glass with lights burning inside them. He carried a large whip made of snakes and foxes' tails twisted together, which he cracked constantly. At his unexpected appearance, there was a profound silence. No one dared to breathe. A fly might have been heard in the stillness. The poor puppets of both sexes trembled like so many leaves. Why have you come to raise a disturbance in my theatre? asked the showman of Pinocchio, in the gruff voice of a hobgoblin suffering from a severe cold in the head. Believe me, honoured sir, that it was not my fault. 
that is enough. Tonight we will settle our accounts. As soon as the play was over, the showman went into the kitchen, where a fine sheep, preparing for his dinner, was turning slowly on the spit in front of the fire. As there was not enough wood to finish roasting and browning it, he called Harlequin and Punchinello and said to them, Bring that puppet here. You will find him hanging on a nail. It seems to me that he is made of very dry wood, and I am sure that if he is thrown on the fire, he would make a beautiful blaze for the roast. At first, Harlequin and Punchinello hesitated, but appalled by a severe glance from their master, they obeyed. In a short time, they returned to the kitchen carrying poor Pinocchio, who was wriggling like an eel taken out of water and screaming desperately, Papa, Papa, save me. Chapter 11 Fire Eater sneezes and pardons Pinocchio, who then saves the life of his friend Harlequin. The showman Fire Eater, for that was his name, looked, I must say, a terrible man, especially with his black beard that covered his chest and legs like an apron. On the whole, however, he had not a bad heart. And proof of this, when he saw poor Pinocchio brought before him, struggling and screaming, I will not die, he was quite moved and felt very sorry for him. He tried to hold out, but after a while he could stand it no longer and sneezed violently. When he heard the sneeze, Harlequin, who up to that moment had been in the deepest affliction and bowed down like a weeping willow, became quite cheerful, and leaning towards Pinocchio, he whispered to him softly, Good news, brother. The showman has sneezed, and that is a sign that he pities you, and consequently you were saved. For you must know that whilst most men, when they feel compassion for somebody, either weep, or at least pretend to dry their eyes, Fire Eater, on the contrary, whenever he is really overcome, had the habit of sneezing. After he had sneezed, the showman, still acting the ruffian, shouted to Pinocchio, Have done crying. Your lamentations have given me a pain in my stomach. I feel a spasm that almost... And he sneezed again twice. Bless you, said Pinocchio. Thank you. And your papa and your mamma, are they still alive? Asked Fire Eater. Papa, yes. My mamma, I've never known. Who can say what a sore it would be for your poor old father if I was to have thrown you against those burning coals? Poor old man. I feel for him. And he sneezed again three times. Bless you, said Pinocchio. Thank you. All the same, some compassion is due to me, for as you see, I have no more wood with which to finish roasting my mutton. And to tell you the truth, under the circumstances, you would have been of great use to me. However, I have had pity on you, so I must have patience. Instead of you, I will burn under the spit one of the puppets belonging to my company. Hello there, officers. At this call, two wooden officers immediately appeared. They were very long and very thin, and had on cocked hats, and held unsheathed swords in their hands. The showman said to them in a hoarse voice, Take Harlequin, bind him securely, and then throw him on the fire to burn. I am determined that my mutton shall be well roasted. 
only imagine that poor Harlequin. His terror was so great that his legs bent under him, and he fell with his face on the ground. In this agonizing sight, Pinocchio, weeping bitterly, threw himself at the showman's feet, and bathing his long beard with his tears, he began to say in a supplicating voice, Have pity, Sir Fire Eater. Here there are no sirs, the showman answered severely. Have pity, Sir Knight. Here there are no knights. Have pity, Commander. Here there are no commanders. Have pity, Excellence. Upon hearing himself called Excellence, the showman began to smile and became at once kinder and more tractable. Turning to Pinocchio, he asked, Well, what do you want from me? I implore you to pardon poor Harlequin. For him there can be no pardon. As I have spared you, he must be put on the fire, for I am determined that my mutton shall be well roasted. In that case, cried Pinocchio proudly, rising and throwing away his cap of breadcrumb. In that case, I know my duty. Come on, officers, bind me and throw me amongst the flames. No, it is not just that poor Harlequin, my true friend, should die for me. These words, pronounced in a loud, heroic voice, made all the puppets who were present cry. Even the officers, although they were made of wood, wept like two newly-born lambs. Fire Eater at first remained as hard and unmoved as ice, but little by little he began to melt and to sneeze. And having sneezed four or five times, he opened his arms affectionately and said to Pinocchio, You are a good, brave boy. Come here and give me a kiss. Pinocchio ran at once, and climbing like a squirrel up the showman's beard, he deposited a hearty kiss on the point of his nose. Then the pardon is granted, asked poor Harlequin, in a faint voice that was scarcely audible. The pardon is granted, answered Fire Eater. He then added, sighing and shaking his head, I must have patience. Tonight I shall have to resign myself to eat the mutton half raw. But another time... Woe to him who chances. And the news of the pardon, the puppets all ran to the stage, and having lighted the lamps and chandeliers, as if for a full dress performance, they began to leap and to dance merrily. At dawn, they were still dancing. Chapter 12 The showman fire eater makes Pinocchio a present of five gold pieces to take home to his father, Geppetto. But Pinocchio instead, allows himself to be taken in by the fox and the cat and goes with them. The following day, Fire Eater called Pinocchio on one side and asked him, What is your father's name? Geppetto. And what trade does he follow? He is a beggar. Does he gain much? Gain much? Why, he has never a penny in his pocket. Only think, to buy a spelling book for me to go to school. He was obliged to sell the only coat he had to wear, a coat that, between patches and darns, was not fit to be seen. Poor devil. I feel almost sorry for him. Here are five gold pieces. Go at once and take them to him with my compliments. You can easily understand that Pinocchio thanked the showman a thousand times. He embraced all the puppets of the company one by one, even the officers, 
and besides himself with delight, set out to return home. But he had not gone far when he met on the road a fox, lame in one foot, and a cat, blind in both eyes, who were going along, helping each other like good companions in misfortune. The fox, who was lame, walked leaning on the cat, and the cat, who was blind, was guided by the fox. Good day, Pinocchio, said the fox, costing him politely. How do you come to know my name? asked the puppet. I know your father well. Where did you see him? I saw him yesterday at the door of his house. And what was he doing? He was in his shirt sleeves and shivering with cold. Poor papa, but that is over. For the future, he will shiver no more. Why? Because I have become a gentleman. A gentleman? You, said the fox, and he began to laugh rudely and scornfully. The cat also began to laugh, but to conceal it, she combed her whiskers with her forepaws. There's little to laugh at, cried Pinocchio angrily. I'm really sorry to make your mouths water, but if you know anything about it, you can see that these here are five gold pieces. And he pulled out the money that Fire Eater had made him a present of. At the sound of the money, the fox, with an involuntary movement, stretched out the paw that had seemed to be lame. And the cat opened wide two eyes that looked like two green lanterns. It is true that she shut them again, and so quickly that Pinocchio observed nothing. And now, asked the fox, what are you going to do with all that money? First of all, answered the puppet, I intend to buy a new coat for my papa, made of gold and silver and with diamond buttons, and then I will buy a spelling book for myself. For yourself? Yes, indeed, for I wish to go to school to study in earnest. Look at me, said the fox. Through my foolish passion for study, I've lost a leg. Look at me, said the cat. Through my foolish passion for study, I've lost the sight of both of my eyes. At that moment, a blackbird that was perched on the hedge by the road began his usual song and said, Pinocchio, don't listen to the advice of bad companions. If you do, you will repent it. Poor blackbird. If only he had not spoken. The cat, with a great leap, sprang upon him, without even giving him time to say oh, ate him in a mouthful, feathers and all. Having eaten him and cleaned her mouth, she shut her eyes again and feigned blindness as before. Poor blackbird, said Pinocchio to the cat. Why did you treat him so badly? I did it to give him a lesson. He will learn another time not to meddle in other people's conversations. They had gone almost halfway when the fox, halting suddenly, said to the puppet, Would you like to double your money? In what way? Would you like to make out of your five miserable sovereigns a hundred, a thousand, two thousand? I should think so. But in what way? The way is easy enough. Instead of returning home, you must go with us. And where do you wish to take me? To the land of the owls. Pinocchio reflected a moment and then he said, No, I will not go. I'm already close to the house and I will return home to my papa who's waiting for me. Who can tell how often the poor old man must have sighed yesterday when I did not come back?
I have indeed been a bad son, and the talking cricket was right when he said, Disobedient boys never come to any good in the world. I have found it to my cost, for many misfortunes have happened to me. Even yesterday, in Fire Eater's house, I ran the risk. Oh, it makes me shudder only to think of it. Well then, said the fox, you are quite decided to go home? Go then, and so much the worse for you. So much the worse for you, repeated the cat. Think well of it, Pinocchio, for you are giving a kick to fortune. To fortune, repeated the cat. Between today and tomorrow, your five sovereigns would have become two thousand. Two thousand, repeated the cat. But how is it possible that they could have become so many, said Pinocchio, remaining with his mouth open from astonishment. I will explain it to you at once, said the fox. You must know that in the land of the owls there is a sacred field called by everyone the field of miracles. In this field, you must dig a little hole, and you put into it, we will say, one gold sovereign. You then cover up the hole with a little earth, you must water it with two pails of water from the fountain, then sprinkle it with two pinches of salt, and when night comes, you can go quietly to bed. In the meanwhile, during the night, the gold piece will grow and flower, and in the morning when you get up and return to the field, what do you find? You find a beautiful tree laden with as many gold sovereigns as a fine ear of corn has grains in the month of June. So that, said Pinocchio, more and more bewildered, supposing I buried my five sovereigns in that field, how many should I find there the following morning? That is an exceedingly easy calculation, replied the fox. A calculation that you can make on the ends of your fingers. Put that every sovereign gives you an increase of 500. Multiply 500 by 5, and the following morning you will find 2,500 shining gold pieces in your pocket. Oh, how delightful, cried Pinocchio, dancing for joy. As soon as ever I've obtained those sovereigns, I will keep 2,000 for myself, and the other 500 I will make a present of to you two. A present to us, cried the fox with indignation and appearing much offended. What are you dreaming of? What are you dreaming of? repeated the cat. We do not work, said the fox, for dirty interest. We work solely to enrich others. Others, repeated the cat. What good people, thought Pinocchio to himself, and forgetting there and then his papa, the new coat, the spelling book, and all his good resolutions, he said to the fox and the cat, Let us be off at once. I will go with you. Chapter 13 The Inn of the Red Lobster They walked and walked and walked until at last, towards evening, they arrived dead tired at the Inn of the Red Lobster. Let us stop here a little, said the fox, that we may have something to eat and rest ourselves for an hour or two. We will start again at midnight so as to arrive at the Field of Miracles by dawn tomorrow morning. Having gone into the inn, they all three sat down to the table, but none of them had any appetite. The cat, who was suffering from indigestion and feeling seriously indisposed, could only eat 35 mullet with tomato sauce and four portions of tripe with Parmesan cheese. And because she thought the tripe was not seasoned enough, 
she asked three times for the butter and grated cheese. The fox would also willingly have picked a little, but as his doctor had ordered him a strict diet, he was forced to content himself simply with a hare dressed with a sweet and sour sauce and garnished lightly with fat chickens and early pullets. After the hare, he sent for a dish made of partridges, rabbits, frogs, lizards, and other delicacies. He could not touch anything else. He had such a disgust to food, he said, that he could put nothing to his lips. The one who ate the least was Pinocchio. He asked for some walnuts and a bit of bread and left everything on his plate. The poor boy, whose thoughts were continually fixed on the field of miracles, had got in anticipation an indigestion of gold pieces. When they had supped, the fox said to the host, Give us two good rooms, one for Mr. Pinocchio and the other for me and my companion. We will snatch a little sleep before we leave. Remember, however, that at midnight we wish to be called to continue our journey. Yes, gentlemen, answered the host, and he winked at the fox and the cat, as much to say, I know what you're up to. We understand one another. No sooner had Pinocchio got into bed than he fell asleep at once and began to dream, and he dreamt that he was in the middle of a field, and the field was full of shrubs covered with clusters of gold sovereigns. And as they swung in the wind, they went zin, 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 almost as if they would say, Let who will come and take us. For when Pinocchio was at the most interesting moment, that is, just as he was stretching out his hand to pick handfuls of those beautiful gold pieces and to put them in his pocket, he was suddenly wakened by three violent blows on the door of his room. It was a host who had come to tell him that midnight had struck. Are my companions ready? asked the puppet. Ready? Why, they left two hours ago. Why were they in such a hurry? Because Cat had received a message to say that her eldest kitten was ill with chilblains on his feet and was in danger of death. Do they pay for the supper? What are you thinking of? They are much too well educated to dream of offering such an insult to a gentleman like you. What a pity. It is an insult that would have given me so much pleasure, said Pinocchio, scratching his head. He then asked, But where did my good friends say they would wait for me? At the Field of Miracles. Tomorrow morning at daybreak. Pinocchio paid a sovereign for his supper and that of his companions, and then left. Outside the inn, it was so pitch dark that he had almost to grope his way, for it was impossible to see a hand's breadth in front of him. In the adjacent country, not a leaf moved. Only some night birds flying across the road from one hedge to the other brushed Pinocchio's nose with their wings as they passed, which caused him so much terror that springing back he shouted, Who goes there? And the echo in the surrounding hills repeated in the distance, Who goes there? Who goes there? Who goes there? As he was walking along, he saw a little insect shining dimly on the trunk of a tree, like a nightlight. As he was walking along, he saw a little insect shining dimly on the trunk of a tree, like a nightlight in a lamp of transparent china. Who are you? asked Pinocchio. I'm the ghost of the talking cricket, answered the insect in a low voice, so weak and faint that it seemed to come from the other world. What do you want with me? 
said the puppet. I want to give you some advice. Go back and take the four sovereigns that you have left to your poor father, who is weeping and in despair because you have never returned to him. By tomorrow, my papa will be a gentleman, for these four sovereigns will have become two thousand. Don't trust, my boy, to those who promise to make you rich in a day. Usually they're either mad or rogues. Listen to me and go back. On the contrary, I am determined to go on. The hour is late. I am determined to go on. The night is dark. I am determined to go on. The road is dangerous. I am determined to go on. Remember the boys who are bent on following their caprices and will have their own way sooner or later repent it. Always the same stories. Good night, Cricket. Good night, Pinocchio. And may heaven preserve you from dangers and from assassins. No sooner had he said these words than the talking cricket vanished suddenly like a light that has been blown out, and the road became darker than ever. Good night. <laughs>